Stay tuned for The Lynn Show. In my show, I interview people who make their living or their life within art. And today, I'm airing an interview with Carolyn Michael, an extraordinarily talented actor who has made her home in Sarasota, Florida, and has appeared in every venue here and in every possible kind of role. And not only here, when you'll hear her talk about her career, which has been extensive. And her husband, Howard Millman, who is not only a director and an actor, but also the savior of many theaters, most currently the Oslo Theater in Sarasota, Florida, which he rescued for the second time. So we're going to start with Carolyn, and here she is. Okay, so here I am with Carolyn. So in all the time that I know you, you have been one of the most versatile actors I've ever seen. Thank you. Oh, my God. That's a very nice way to start out the interview. (laughs) I like that. Well, you've done everything. Well, I started out as a... I started out in kindergarten raising my hands as a tulip. As a tulip? So I started oh, like this out mean two hands up? Two hands up. So I started out playing a tulip, and people applauded, and I really liked that. <laughs> and then later on, I, play, I went to a girls' school, and I played the boys' roles because I was dark-haired and sort of a character actress even then. I played all the boys' roles. And so I had an early start of playing men and plants. and <laughs> Variety. And when I was 12, I played the mother in um, a Bird's Christmas Carol at the little drama school I went to. In Where St. did you grow up? I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. And I did drama. I went to a drama school, and I also took a lot of dance. And I was a very shy little girl, so it was a way that I could, I could express myself in a controlled way. I found that I had an ability to do this, and it brought me attention. And I was, uh, felt more comfortable on stage than I did interacting in my real life and a lot of performers say that it's it's not you know people are always shocked that performers are shy shy. but essentially um, there are a lot of us who are shy and then have these sort of other skills that we bring to the table so yeah I grew up as a shy little girl in St. Louis Missouri and went to theater school and and danced a lot went to dancing school and then in uh, at the temple um, I, I instead of studying Hebrew I was in the dramatics class when I and I I played Pinkus Pinocchio in the Purim play. <laughs> so another boy's role, but nevertheless a leading role, so I liked it. Yeah. And um, there you go. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a brother and a sister. They're both older than I am. And my sister was very, they were both actually interested in theater. Um, my brother, in fact, cast me as Pinkus Pinocchio in the Purim play <laughs> at Temple. And my sister went to Pasadena Playhouse. They never pursued it as uh, professionals. I did. Pasadena Playhouse in California? In California, that Pasadena Playhouse. When she grew up? Yes. When she, yeah, when well, she was young, right, right out of high school. I mean, she was right out of high school and went there for a summer. Ah. And, and then uh, auditioned for the Neighborhood Playhouse and then decided to get married because that's what she really wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so it's, it's sort of in the family. Yes, my mother was pianist. My father was um, an artist who translated his skills into the advertising business. And when I was a little girl, they took me to um, symphonies and plays, and, and I loved it. I loved it from the very second I first saw Mary Martin fly across the yeah. stage. Yeah. I went, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, and so your parents, I, mean, I guess they were okay with 
all of these little actors running around. I mean, they, they didn't discourage any of you. They didn't say... Well, my brother, did, my brother never really did it. Uh, you know, he, he played in theater um, when we were young. No, they, they, they just they encouraged all the creativity in the house, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know that they ever thought that any of us would go into it professionally, although they thought maybe my sister would because she did go to Pasadena Playhouse and got into the neighborhood playhouse, as I said, but then didn't pursue it. So they were, they were supportive when I pursued it. So then what did you do? I mean, after, you know... Well, I graduated after high school, after I graduated the girls' school, and, and in the later years, I actually got to play women. <laughs> I think my first female role was Anne Frank in The Diary oh of Anne God. Frank when I was a sophomore. And so that was like one that catapulted me to stardom in my high school. And then I went on to be able to play the, you know, the leading roles from then on in school. And then I went to Boston University and trained uh, and got my Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting and got serious training and uh, good training, very good training that has stood me in good stead my entire career, very good basic skills to be a professional. I'm just curious, you're not shy now. Well, I, I consider myself shy Do you? now. I consider myself a, a shy person who has developed good skills to compensate. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't know. I don't. But inside, I feel shy. You still feel like I still inside. feel even though shy. the behavior you don't right. you don't come across as a shy person. Right. Four hundred years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's it's interesting. I mean, it, it, are you really a shy person, or are you no longer a shy person, but you feel like what? I think I am still a shy person. I don't think that it's just an old perception. I think that I feel that's who I really am. And I think it's based on the fact that I'm very, very um, vulnerable and very sensitive. And most people don't see that in me either. Yeah. Most people see my coping skills and my take charge skills right, right, and right. Th those sorts of things. But I am extremely sensitive. And so there's a part of me that is so, that I protect. You have to protect, right. Right. And actually, those, those skills... And people would want me to because they wouldn't want to see this, you know, sort of blubbering, <laughs> sensitive person. Oh, my God, what's wrong with her? So... <laughs> I'm not sure that's so. true. But in fact, you have... You, you certainly use that on stage. Yes. You know, yes. You, find, you let her... She gets... She, she gets... She gets <laughs> that's right. Okay, you get to play now. Yes, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's great. <laughs> so actually, I mean, you, you've done... In a, some extraordinary stuff with yourself. I mean, you have become able to do a whole range of behaviors where and whenever they're appropriate. Well, that's a, that's the, of course the joy of being an actor is that you get to you get to experience all facets of of being a human. Right. right. Um, because you do things on stage that you wouldn't do in real life. You know, we play murderers, we play liars, we, we play, play dogs. We we I play the dog. <laughs> yes. And we play we play all sorts of you know wonderful facets of of humanity or the animal kingdom, but even that dog was was uh, was a you know meant to be sort of human. That was we're talking about the the Gurney play right. called Sylvia, and um, and that it was that was a great experience playing that play. That she was meant to be sort of the other woman in the play, mm -hmm. a real cute, real <laughs> cute dog, <laughs> streetwise dog. Okay, so from that first moment, did you? always want to do this? Was there something else you wanted to do? I never wanted to do anything. So I, at one point I thought I might, maybe I'd dance because I did, was a, as a child I danced. But somewhere deep inside, I don't think even on a conscious level, but unconsciously, I knew that I wasn't ever going to be good enough to be a 
professional dancer. I was, a, I was a move weller. I dance really, really well, but because I don't have much extension and I have flat feet and I sort of didn't have the, the, body, the, the for body for it. I had, I was like great from the waist up. <laughs> and, and so it's, so, so somewhere along the line, I think unconsciously when I was, a, you know, when I was in high school, really, I, I, I knew that my skills were, um, would take me farther as an actor than a dancer. And so I loved dancing and I always dance and I still do, but I knew that I would never be good. I would never be as good as you need to be. And so, so I easily transitioned out of that desire and kept wanting to be an actor. And so I went to Boston University, and then I went to New York and, and studied some more and, and, you know, knocked around New York trying to get little off-off-Broadway jobs and tried to knock on doors. And, you know, you have to give your... You have to, I was putting my picture and resume under, under agents' doors. You couldn't even, like, see them. You would have to walk around to these build, big buildings and shove your picture and resume <laughs> under the door. It was so humiliating and terrible. And, I mean, I remember once I went to a cattle call for some show, like No, 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 Net kind of thing, where you had to dress up in, you know, sort of little 20s things and tap. And, and, I, and, I, and I thought, oh, I'll dress like this. And I did. And, of course, I went there, and there were 400 young girls, cute young girls like myself. Dressed like this. Dressed like that. <laughs> and um, so, I, you know, I, but I got, I got lucky, and I get, did, did a bunch of summer stock and, and started to, uh, in addition to, you know, having had my Boston University training and now my New York training, I did some summer stock and got some practical training, and then I started to get little jobs in dinner theaters. And dinner theater, it became, in those days, dinner theater was really the training ground. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you really could use it. You could. In earlier days, it was summer stock, and, and summer stock was sort of on its way out in, in, in my era, and, and dinner theater was in, and it was a great training ground for us because you really could go from theater to theater and, and, uh, and do good work, and I joined the union by that time, and so... I was able to sort of learn and grow and with each with each new experience and then I worked for um I you know my I've been a vac I vacationed in here in Sarasota Florida for uh, I had vacations here with my parents when I was a young girl and then they bought a house here when I was a young girl and so I would come back and forth from New York to here ultimately I met Bob Turoff, who runs Golden Apple Dinner Theater, and he gave me a job in Butterflies Are Free and George M. And the first, the first, and I think my first show was, you know, I Can't Hear You When the Water's Running, and then Mary Mary with him. So I did those four shows in one season for him and was so happy to be in this environment and working. And I kept going back and forth between California and New York and here and California and New York and here and, and working and, you know, and then, uh, then around, uh, I don't know, several years later, Bob Turoff gave me an opportunity to direct. So I directed for him, and then I, went, I met Sid Caesar and, and worked with him in a play and directed him in a play. Or I should say negotiated. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really direct him. I just negotiated the piece. <laughs> what about this, Sid? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, Sid. <laughs> exactly. So... So, uh, and, and from that relationship, Sid, Caesar and I have had a, a remarkable friendship for, for all these years. We first met in 1976 when I was a tot mm -hmm. in the business. And so it's been marvelous. We've worked together for many, many years. I was on Broadway with him when he took a review to Broadway in 1989. And I also, um, the last thing I did with him, which I think is the last thing he did, other than doing some, you know, sort of guest Kennedy Center appearances, 
was at, in Los Angeles at the Alex Theater in Glendale where we performed Beethoven's Fifth Symphony with a, with a symphony orchestra as a husband and wife argument. Oh. And it's, it's a sketch that he did initially with Nanette Fabre, and then he put it in his act, and, and I did it with him. And Imogene Coca had also done it with him. I think I've even seen it. I think I saw it. It's on YouTube right yeah. now. Yeah, I think I saw it in, in one of those retrospectives. Uh huh. You know, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. with Imogene Coca, I think. I think. No, you must have seen it with, with Nanette. Uh, you must have seen it with Nanette because Imogene did it the way I did it in later life. She didn't do it. it the original was done with the Nanette. Fe- Maybe Nanette that's Fabre. what I saw. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing piece. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. So, so it, that you know, that's that's one of those sort of wonderful adventures you have. Yeah. In, in life, he says he Sid Caesar is a wonderful comic genius. How old is he now? I never remember how old he is. He's he's in his eighties, and he's um, he's great. He's frail now, but he's, he's mentally he's he's certainly all there. And he's is he still in L.A. He is still living in his in his home in L.A. where he's lived for many many years with his wife Florence, who's just fabulous. And they've been together forever. Wow. So um, so yeah. So my my career has taken me in many many diverse um, so areas. Am I am I hearing that you wound up more? more and more in Sarasota, is that what happened? That's what happened, and so I sort of made a passive move here, because I kept coming back and coming back and coming back, and then ultimately I just sort of never left, and I was having all these opportunities, both directing and acting, and so I stayed. It it was the best thing I could have done for myself, without even making it a conscious decision, I I sort of followed my my heart, as it were, Mm -hmm. and it was... Or your feet. My feet, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Or the jobs, as it were. So I... I love living in Sarasota. I think it's a beautiful place to live, and it's a terrific arts community. And right now I'm directing, I just finished the, my 17th season at the Oslo Theater, and I've worked at Florida Studio Theater a lot. Last summer I did a one-person play where I played Ann Landers. And now I'm directing for the West Coast Black Theater Troupe. A play opens this tonight as we speak, Aunt Rudell's Family Reunion. Mm-hmm. And I'm directing a play reading at, in Florida Studio Theater's new play festival next week and then I'm taking the summer off because I really no, want to, I am because I really want to break but and then I'm coming back to to be in the um, Oslo repertory company which is something that I when when I was a kid I used to watch go to the Oslo and watch the plays and I thought someday I want to be good enough to be able to be on that stage and do that and so I really didn't even know really consciously that it was, I mean, I no, I thought that, but I also thought, well, I want to be a big TV star too. But, uh, you know, <laughs> you think that too. But um, I, I think that I did, I f- did fulfill my own personal dream about being able to um, be here and have a life as a theater artist yeah. and have a life yeah. and challenge myself with all these different roles. So it's, it's, I've had tremendous opportunities and it's been, it's been a joy and a blessing. And then I met my wonderful husband. Yes. I um, just got married seven years ago, so, and I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> so. You waited a long time to get married. I did wait a long time to get married. I think I got messages from my mother to do what you need to do. And I, I was in that transition generation, as, as you were, uh-huh. um, that, that we were the ones who were sort of the groundbreakers for now you, now you can sort of have it all. But we were the people who were trying to have the career and not, and not necessarily uh, be... Um, uh, following a husband around from place to place, and so I wanted to be free to do that. And um, well, this is my idea of a husband was, oh, I have to follow him from place to place. Now that's probably not true, but that was my idea of what a husband was. So I sort of avoided doing that for all those years because I didn't want to. I, I was worried that I, had, I would give up too much of myself and what I wanted. 
I had relationships. I had great relationships, and I certainly, you know, had affairs with people and had a really good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then the right person came along in my life and made me marry him, and it was <laughs> great. But do you think that your sister would have liked to have had her career as well, or no? She did what she what she wanted to do. She really does not have any regrets, and neither do I. That's not true. I do regret. There's a part of me that still regrets the fact that I do not have my own child. Because I think that as a woman, that's a life experience that, oops, I forgot to do that. I do regret that. But then I think of all the carpooling and all of that, and then I go, oh, well, it's fine. And children don't always turn out to be exactly the fantasized image of what you would like them to be. And I have lovely nieces and nephews who are great friends of mine, and so they're my sort of surrogate children. I think nowadays people do manage to balance it out and do both. I think you can. I I think it's hard, and I know a lot of people, a lot of actors and actresses who do not have children because they did what I did, which is they they became dedicated to roaming around the country, playing in plays like a a traveling minstrel. Yeah, a gypsy. But a gypsy. Mm -hmm. But... um, but the, but the reality is I have not been a gypsy for many years. I've lived in Sarasota now basically for right. many, many years, and I travel right. every now and then to do plays, but uh, not that much. Mostly I work um, in this vicinity. Here. And you want to talk a little bit about your um, commitment to causes? Sure. Well, I, have, I have found that in order to not be totally selfish and a total crazy person, <laughs> it has been my great joy um, to be involved in a number of charitable endeavors that bring more to my life than I bring to the charities, but it's it's a great outlet, it's a great way to feel that you're contributing to the world, and one, that's one of the other great things about living here in Sarasota, is that you really can have an impact on the community, um, and you can see your impact in the community, because it's a small enough place, and yet it's an enlightened enough place to be able to enlist people to follow your dream, to follow your cause, to put together a big AIDS benefit. I'd done AIDS benefits for 20 years mm-hmm. when it was starting in 1987 when it wasn't so yeah. popular or known to do that. And so I've been involved in doing AIDS benefits and I've been involved in the Boys and Girls Club and I've been involved in all the arts organizations and the Arts Council and Planned Parenthood and you, you name it. I've, you know, I've sort of been involved in it, <laughs> in all the major causes. Not AIDS is probably the only disease I've been involved <laughs> in. <laughs> but, but, uh, but it, you know, it occurs to me that that is a way that you spend that, what might otherwise be maternal energy. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's yeah, a you, good point. You caretake. Yes. You know. Yes, I do. And uh, well, then I get to use my, I, I, I usually do it in terms of using my theatrical skills to produce um, events and shows that will benefit organizations. So I, at the same time as I get to play in my own mm-hmm. kind of sandbox, yes. I get to benefit an organization or organizations uh, at the same time. And that's extraordinarily lucky. <laughs> rewarding. Yeah, yeah, it is. Very rewarding. And it also gives me a sense of myself that is not solely related to, to having to do plays in order to feel like I'm a person. You know, it, it gives me a, a, a larger sense of myself because I interact in the community. I have a, more to do. I once asked Babe Weiler, who was a terrific woman who died in her sleep when she was 94 years I old. I and she was. The, the yoga. Yeah, right? she taught yoga up until like, you know, the day before she died kind of thing. And 
she, I once asked her, what's your secret? You have such a positive attitude and you're so great and you're so healthy. And she said, it's very important to, to stay involved with something outside of yourself. Very important to be involved in. She, she went and, and taught yoga and she volunteered at one of the uh, thrift shops. And she, that's what she said. And I, and I think she's right. Mm-hmm. I do too. I think she's right. I think that it's very important to make sure that you have projects. As Billis says in the South Pacific, mm-hmm. I like to have projects. But I also think that the, the projects have to have meaning for you. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's clear to me that pretty much everything you do has meaning to you. Yes, I can't, I can't do it unless I can sort of get emotionally behind it. It's a kind of integrity. I hope so. I hope so. I, I try to live a life of integrity. I think integrity is very, very important. And at the end of the day, I have to go to sleep with myself. And so my own integrity is very important to me, which is not to say I'm a saint because I do, you know, little things like anybody else, but I do endeavor. I think and you I, do. And I'm plagued by, by that if I, when I do feel like I've fudged on something or cheated on, it's not cheat, I don't cheat, but, um, you know, cheat in my own mind. Yeah, cheat. not lived up somehow not lived to up your to own, my own standards. Yeah, that, that I, uh, I, I, I torture myself a little bit about that. Well, you know, I, w- I want to tell you that that's clear. And that it's lovely. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's, I think this is a personal opinion based on what's important to me, but I, I think integrity is underrated and underused. <laughs> Clearly in our society, I think it is. Yeah, and, and so it's really, it's lovely to see, you know, that it's not, it's like, you know, it's not, it's not out of date. And, uh, and you know, I, I think that must be at least part of why you're so good at what you do. Oh, you're very sweet. I, I, um, I you know, I, I don't know. I, ju- I do know that I, you know, I'm, I'm out there endeavoring every day to sort of be the best person I can yeah. be. And some days I'm, could see, succeed more <laughs> at that than, than other days, you know. Well, but I think, I think skill can only take you just so far as an actor. And that authenticity is really what makes the difference, what makes a person believable on stage. Not just that they have, you know, good training and good skills. And you have all of that, Carolyn. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for this. It's great talking with you. Yeah, always. (laughs) (laughs) That was my interview with the absolutely adorable Carolyn Michael. And coming up is my interview with the quite delightful Howard Millman. Now I'm sitting here with Howard Millman, who is the wonderful husband of Carolyn Michael. Thank you. And we don't know each other. So for me, this will be all about learning. Do you want to tell me something about, well, maybe I'll ask it this way. What is it that you would like to be talking about? What is it that you would like to say about yourself and your life as an artist? And My life as an artist has taken a lot of strange turns. I mean, I have a generation that when you went into the theater, you didn't do what they do today. Actors, for instance, and directors take advanced degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, with professional programs in universities such as the Oslo has. Right. Carolyn's day and my day, we didn't do that. I mean, I do have, have a master's and I have all the work for my PhD. I have a PhD called ABD, you know, all but dissertation. <laughs> and, uh, but I did all of that. But the intention was never really to get those degrees to, to then go into professional acting or directing. In those days, you got those degrees so that 
You could teach if you had teach to. Teach if you, you could back it up. <laughs> yeah, right. And my career took interesting turns. I started out as an actor in a very small school in upstate New York called Hartwick College. I think we had a total of maybe 600 in the entire school. Wow. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn boy. Ah. Yeah. Well, I'm a Queens girl. Are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a Brooklyn boy. Went to Tilton High School in Brooklyn. Always loved the theater and the movies and secretly desired to do it and was petrified to tell my parents that's what I wanted to do. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a younger sister. She's six years younger than I am. So you're the oldest boy in a Jewish family? I am the oldest boy in a Jewish the prince. You're the prince. You yes, I, the prince. I know you are. Yeah. But still, shouldn't you be a dentist or something? Well, it's interesting. <laughs> I told my father that I guess it was at the, at the end of my freshman year in college that I was going to switch from pre-law <laughs> to the theater. Oh, my God. He said, what, kind of, what kind of shingle can you hang outside your door? Yeah. And I justified it by saying, don't worry, I'll teach. Yeah. He didn't understand what it meant for me to go on to advanced degrees. He had no idea of that. Uh, he thought, you go to college, you get out and you go to work. Is he, are you first generation? I'm definitely first generation. Where did they come from? Russia. Oh. Yeah, my father was, my father was uh, 10 years old when he came here. My mother was two years old. She kept telling me she was two months old, but we found out after she died that she was two years old. When oh. she, she always lied to her age a couple of years. And, um, uh, and uh, all, all of my grandparents were alive, so I, I had all of the richness of that upbringing, you know, which I ran away from for so many years and then came pouring back to because it was so wonderful and rich and, 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 uh, and full and, and colorful. At any rate, I got out of undergraduate school and went to graduate school at Purdue University to take my master's. And then I got married right away. Young. Very young. You did that in those days. Yeah. I was 22 years old. Five years later, I had a child. But in the meantime, I went into the Army. Mm. When was that? This was in 1953, I went into the Army. Um, Korea? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Did you fight? Oh, I defended your nation's capital for two years. <laughs> <laughs> I was... I was in... I was in an anti-aircraft battalion that, that ringed Washington, D.C. in case the Russians came over. Oh, my God. And in my second eight weeks of basic training, we all expected to be sent to the second eight weeks of infantry training and then to go, go over to Korea. But they, they go through the process of interviewing you. And they interviewed me and they said, well, where do you want to go for your second eight weeks? And I said, well, considering my background, I want to go to the, to the Army Film School in Governor's Island, New York. And he said, you've got to enlist for that. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. So he said, well, give me another choice. And I said, quartermaster school. I had no idea what quartermaster was. But you figured it wasn't infantry. It wasn't infantry, that's all <laughs> I mean, And I didn't expect to go. And the next thing I knew, I was assigned to Fort Lee, Virginia. I arrived on a weekend and wandered over to special services office at Fort Lee before I started my training. Walked in the door. When the corporal turned to the sergeant and said, who are we going to get to direct the big musical on post? You're kidding. It's, like a, it's like a scene out of a movie. It's like a movie. <laughs> like a movie. And I said, raise my hand. I said, here I am. <laughs> and he said, who are you? And I told him. And, you know, how many, how many directors with master's degrees walk through the door? Yeah. So he said, okay. But it was like community theater. You know, you finished your training and then you worked until two o'clock in the morning doing the play. So I would get an average of maybe four hours sleep a night, nothing more. I would fall asleep in class. I knew, learned nothing about the quartermaster, but I had a great show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and had, that's important. I had that's a great right. show. And then was assigned to Washington, D.C., and while I was at Washington, D.C., I directed for a group called the Pentagon Players, and then I got out and taught high school for a couple of years. Oh, I actually did more than teach high school. I 
I got out in, in mid-year. I got out in, in January, and my wife was then teaching. And so I got a job teaching English and history in a junior high school. And, you know, then I said, ah, let's do a play. So I did any Get Your Gun. In those days, none of the schools ever did musicals. I mean, they were considered much too advanced for them. Today, the high schools all do them. Right. I did any Get Your Gun, and, and, and the people at the school, the superintendent's office, saw it. And so for the next two years, I had a job called Dramatic Consultant for Prince George's County, Maryland. I just went around and directed plays at the school. Oh, I my had, God. I had a great time. Yeah. I had a great time. You, 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 forgive me, but you seem to have a guardian angel. I'd somewhere. Yes, right. You're, you're under the right yeah. star somehow. That's right. And then I, went, uh, then I went to Florida State University in 1958 to take my doctorate at the urging of Dick Fallon, who had been my teacher in undergraduate school and who was my mentor. And he said, I've just gotten this job at Florida State University. Why don't you come and take your doctorate, which I did. And in 1959, we did a production of Clifford Odette's play, The Country Girl, which is now on Broadway, by the way, with Morgan Freeman. And I was in it, and Issa Thomas, who just passed away, he was one of the great actresses in this community. And we brought it to the Oslo Theater, this is in the spring of 1959 for what they call the Arts Symposium Week. And at that point, they decided to, the, the Department of Theater, the Department of Speech it was in those days, decided to do a summer season with graduate students in that space oh in 1960. God. And that year, my mother passed away. She was very young. And I thought I was needed back home, which I wasn't. And so I didn't join them. But... I got an interesting job after a year of teaching. I got an interesting job with the United States Army in Europe as what they call a civilian entertainment director, doing plays for the soldier and by the soldier. And it was there that I really discovered my managerial skills because the Army didn't care about the quality of the work that you did. They, they just wanted to know that it ran well. And I like to run things. And then in 19, that was in 1961, we were in Germany for three years, and I wound up the assistant command director for all of Europe. I was 20, 29 years old or something like that. It's ridiculous. And then I was asked to come back to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, to take over a singing program, which I did. Kind of built that up. And then Dick Fallon, they had then started the theater on a year-round basis in 1966. In 1968, he asked me to come and be the managing director at the Oslo Theater. And I said, I will, under one condition, that I direct plays, because managing directors don't direct, you know, the, the, No, they manage money. They manage money. So I did that. From 1968 to 1980, I directed 14 plays in that old Oslo theater. Nationally, the, the regional theater movement was just beginning to grow. And the problem was that I was very, very well known among my peers as a hot manager. And I didn't want to be a hot manager. Yeah. You know, I had, I had 14 years of artistic work behind me, and I knew I had to leave to do that. To make a long story short, I wound up after a, a year and a half at the Pittsburgh Public Theater, which didn't work out for me. I wound up taking over a storefront theater in Rochester, New York in 1982 called Jiva Theater, Genesee Valley Arts Foundation, Jiva Theater. And that was 1982, and by March of 1985, I opened a brand new 500-seat theater with 10,000 subscribers. So you can see from taking over the Oslo the first time when we were a quarter million dollars in debt in 1968, and then going to Jiva and building that up, the kind of course my career took, yeah. which was building and saving theaters, you know. And yeah. Those challenges were hugely exciting to me, you know, and I was fearless. I was always fearless with other people's money, never with my own. <laughs> and then in 1995, after having been at Jiva for 14 years, the Oslo got into serious, serious trouble. And Brad Wallace, who had been an actor with the company for years and years and years, and years 38 years with the company, 
called me and said, would you come back? And I said, well, in the proper conditions, I would come back. And he said, well, what are those? And I laid it out. You know, I, I, I wanted full charge. I, you know, I didn't want to have to deal with it. And I wanted to be back on the, on the university payroll, which I was. And so he, I sent my resume to him. Interesting story. He took it to Carolyn. <laughs> she was on the board. Wow. Now, we knew each other, but we knew each other as professional colleagues. Right. You know, I knew who she was. I knew her parents, even though they were gone, I knew her parents very well because they were major supporters of the theater back in the 60s and the 70s. And so she took it around because I was gone for 15 years. So many of the board members did not know who I was. So many people in town knew who I was, and so many board members did not know who I was. Right. And she said, this is the guy you want to hire. And they went through, I guess, 150 names and wound up with me. So she got herself a husband. She got herself a husband. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Very smart. (laughs) Exactly. Actually, it wasn't that simple. No, it never (laughs) is. No, it wasn't. No, no, it never is. It wasn't. And um, that's how I came back in 95 when we were $2 million in debt and closing our doors and all of that. and, and, um, And you did it again. Well, it was, you know, I knew if I had enough time it would be okay. The question was time. But I had an alternative plan. See, I knew that I was going to retire in Sarasota. Ah, very clever of you. I knew that. Mm-hmm. So you worked your way back, kind of. So I thought, if it goes, I'm here. That's right. And if you it know, doesn't, you're here. If it doesn't, I'm here. Either way. <laughs> yeah. So 11 or 12 years later, I finally retired. You know? <laughs> and here you are. And here I am. But I know you're not retired. I, I am retired from running a company. I will never do that again. Yeah. Um, that's... You know, I, I never realized, I loved every moment, all my career, I loved every moment of what I did. But the day I retired, we took a, a month-long cruise, and I came back, and I realized when I came back, and we walked through these doors, and I got up the next morning, that every day had been stress. Yes. Every day. Yeah. And suddenly... Free. You know, Free at last. All, I, all, I was, all I became was the honeydew man, and that was good. <laughs> but I am, I am, you know, freelance directing, and have been doing that steadily, and enjoying it, and mm-hmm. continue to do it. And uh, we travel in the summertime, and, you know, life is good. I don't think I can totally retire from doing what I love, which is directing plays. Yeah. I, 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 and you don't have to. No. But that's really, that's really the way my career went. Inadvertently, uh, no plan just looking at interesting challenges doing it well for the most part it seems to me like you got on a a track <laughs> you know at you know, you stepped on and it took you so much of the time it's interesting if, if you really want to psychoanalyze it i didn't want anybody else to be in charge of me but me yes when you're an actor you're at the mercy of Someone sitting across the table watching you do your thing and saying, oh, she's too short, he's too tall. And when you reject it, it's hard, and you have to justify that by saying, well, I'm not the type he was looking for. You never can say to yourself, I'm not talented enough. Right. You know, it's a hard life, an actor's life. A director's life is even more difficult because someone has to come and see your work. As an actor, you can audition. But as a director, someone has to come and see your work. If you're running something, if you're running a, a theater... You can hire your wife, you can hire your daughter, you can do anything you want. <laughs> That's right. You know, this is very consistent with being the prince. Yeah, probably so. Well, my mother drove me, drove me to success, but she died very young. How old was she? She said she was 49, but I think she was 51. She was very young. 
Was it very difficult for you? Yeah. I was married, I had two kids. But it was very difficult. I was very close to her. As Jewish boys are with That's their mothers, right. you know. I That's was very right. close to her. And I would, I would get very angry at her when I was growing up because she was so demanding. Yeah. But, um... But she, she gave fun. you... She gave, she gave all you all the skills that, that you then used in your she life. She gave me survival skills. Yes, she certainly did. She did. She gave me survival skills. Yeah. And that was important. Well, it's essential. Really, you have done everything. Is there anything else you'd like to do? Not really. You don't want to write. You know, I want to write my memoirs, and I started to write my memoirs for my grandchildren. Yeah, yeah. For my I grandchild, I should say. I only have one grandchild. And then my computer crashed, and I lost it all, so I, I, I haven't gotten back to doing that. I haven't written that much. I've written a, just a couple of things. But I'll get back to it. I will. And this summer, I have an 18-year-old granddaughter who lives in Chicago. I've watched her grow up once a year when she came to visit it. I was always too busy to go there because I was working. And she's very bright. She's just gotten a scholarship to uh, DePaul University. Lovely, lovely, beautiful girl. And two years ago, I said, Jessica, for your graduation, Carol and I are taking you to Europe. That's what we're doing this summer. And I'm so looking forward to bonding with her. Yeah. And having her learn you. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, wrap up. Is there anything that you would want to say about yourself, about the theater? About if anyone could be in the place in life that I am right now, they would be extremely content. It's very lovely. That's very I would lovely. wish on anyone the place that I am in right now. Me with too. A, with a beautiful marriage mm -hmm. and a great life and still active and still doing what I want. A history you're proud of and a present that a you love. A history I'm proud of, exactly. And a present that I'm absolutely relishing. So, Mazel tov. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So there is Howard Millman wishing us all what we all wished for ourselves a history that we're proud of and a present that we relish.